just last week on Easter because you were up in line, but today, right now, because you rose to pay our debt. We thank you. We love you. We praise you.
wonder of it all. You're the song of freedom. You're the only way. Every new beginning is by faith. I feel like in Jesus into a life of freedom. of this that we get to experience the fullest lives in him. Sin and death have no power over us when we turn over our lives to Jesus. No matter all of the failures or all of the doubts that we may have, none of it matters when we lean into the new life God has promised us. We sing about that freedom and we sing about being chosen by him in this next song. So when we sing the words, I am chosen not forsaken, I am who you say I am, we're believing in what God sees in us. We're believing and reminding ourselves that our lives are His, and for His great purpose, beyond what we could ever imagine for ourselves. So let's open our hearts to that reality and sing that section each time really loud together. He brought me in all his love. 
Yeah. 
Yes, you are a child of God. And yes, there is a place for you here. Now, whether you know it or not, we know that you are chosen by God and not forsaken by him. He is for you, not against you. And we're for you too. And we're so glad that you're here. Welcome to Passion Community Church. Hey, I'm Mark Tapscott, your online campus pastor. And we want you to have a great experience here. So please see me or anyone with a host badge next to their name if there's a way that we can serve you today. Now, we're not going to single you out or put you on the spot, so you're free to reach out when you're ready. And then we'd love to help you figure out your next step. Now, maybe that's finding out more about our church or letting us know how we can pray for you. Or maybe it's just opting in to receive communications from us. For any of those things, you can submit a welcome card. Just visit our website at pccwire.net or just click on the link in the chat. Now, some have wondered, I'm sure, what if I click on that link in the chat? Will it take, take me out of the service to another website and then I have to fight my way back to get back into the service? No. The link will open a new window for you so you won't lose your seat in the service. You just click on the link and fill out the form and we'll be right here waiting for you when you get back. You will still be able to see us and hear us uh, in the original window that you opened when you came to church today. So go ahead and click on that link. I'd love to hear from you. Now, have you ever thought about the word track? I mean, it's a word with several meanings, like track. I ran track in middle school. It was awful. <laughs> lap after lap around that half asphalt, half gravel track that we had around the football field. I also grew up in a neighborhood where there were train tracks about 100 yards from my house. I mean, that thing would rattle every window in the house when it came through. Now, I used to smash pennies on those tracks, but don't tell anyone. I'm not sure you're supposed to do that. Or maybe when you hear the word track, you think about Dog the Bounty Hunter, who will track down all the bad guys. Are you tracking with me? But there's another way that we use that word around here. Track can also mean a way of life or action. And there are actions and ways of living that help us know God better and become the people that he's creating us to be. Now, Growth Track is available on demand online. That track helps you discover your purpose and learn more about our church and how you can make a difference here. Now, Leader Track equips, encourages, and empowers those interested in leadership. The next round of Leader Track starts online tomorrow. And our brand new Bible Track launches online in just a few hours. Now, I signed up to take this one, so maybe I'll see you there. Now, to sign up for any of these tracks, you can visit our website or just click on the link in the chat. Well, last week we celebrated Jesus, the man and the name, with a powerful Easter service. And if you are here or you served or invited someone, thank you. You helped us go beyond our limits. Now, over the next year and a half, we feel like God is calling us to push the limits in reaching people for him. And Easter was a great indication that we're doing just that. Now, some of our campuses set records for highest attendance ever. The Farmville campus and the kids' rooms were full. Midlothian and Aylet went beyond the limit of their two services, and they offered three each. Powhatan literally went beyond capacity and established a quality overflow experience. And Riverside reached a goal that was set by uh, their campus pastor, Stuart, so next week he's becoming a human ice cream sundae uh, because they met that goal. And online... We had over a thousand people attend an Easter service online last Sunday. Now every campus experienced rooms full of kids and teenagers and adults as we all gathered to celebrate that Jesus is alive. We also feel called to 
go beyond Sunday in reaching people. So leading up to Easter, some of our campuses hosted family events that were attended uh, by large crowds of people uh, from their community, communities that they serve. A guest stepped onto our campuses for the very first time and discovered in non-threatening ways that this is a place where we want to partner with parents to create memories. That church is a fun, safe place where they belong. So if you give here, then thank you. Thank you for stepping out in faith as we go beyond, beyond where we've been, beyond what we've done to reach more people than ever before. Now it's not too late to come with us. You can give safely online at pccwire.net or as we say here, just click on the link in the chat. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today that we get to come and experience church with other people and, and hear a message about you that helps us grow and learn more about you. And God, as we uh, give, uh, we just want to say thank you for allowing us to, to give to something that is bigger than ourselves, something that's going beyond what we could do alone and something that honors you. So thank you for the gifts that are being made right now. Uh, we ask that you take them and use them for your glory. And God, we thank you for the celebration of last week as we celebrated uh, Jesus being alive, coming out of that tomb and conquering death. And all the people that came and heard that message, God, we ask that you just bless them, keep them encouraged, keep them coming back and learning more. And God, help us to be the church that welcomes them and offers things where they can learn how to uh, be a better uh, person, to be a better person in their family, a better person at work, and uh, Lord, to have a relationship with you that will last a lifetime. Thank you that we have a church that helps people do that right where they are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's head on back into our service that's already in progress. Wait to come alongside us. You can do so safely online at pccwire.net or in one of the boxes located in the back of the room or in the atrium after the service. But right now, guys, I would ask that you pray with me because without God, none of this is possible. God, we come to you with open hearts and open minds to say, God, show us how you're moving. And we're so grateful that we get to be a part of it. God, we know that with these gifts that we give that you can do more than we could ever imagine. So God, we just pour out our thanks to you that we get to be a part of it. And we love you. God, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, guys, now we're going to be kicking off our Now What series, but we're going to do it in a fun way, and Elijah has a couple instructions for you. Yeah, all right. Hey, give it up for Tanner, by the way. Yeah. Good-looking guy, good-looking black shirt. Anybody else get the black shirt memo today? All right, anyway. Uh, so we're going to sing a song that everyone in this room has heard before. I mean, unless you're like four or below. You've probably heard this room. If you've been around since like the 70s, you know this song, and it asks a very important question, but I need your help with it, okay? So there are two words that get repeated in this song a lot, and this might give it away. The word stay and the word go, okay? So I'm going to split the room in half right down this way. That was fun. Did you do that way? Okay. If you're on this side of the room, every time I say the word stay in the song, you have to yell the word stay back at me, okay? Let's try it. Here we go. Stay! But at the same time, say, okay, not bad. If you're on this side of the room, you have to yell the word go. Let's try it. Go. Yeah, this side always does a little better because they, they get to watch you do it. 
and, and fail the first time. It's okay. Let's try it one more time. Stay, go, stay, go. One more time. Stay. You can be louder. Go. All right. Let's ask the ever-important question, should I stay or should I go? Let's do it. Here we go. Yeah. Should I go? Oh, yeah, all right. And if you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. So you can do it louder. Go, come on and let me know. Here we go. Should I stay or should I? Yeah, all right, you got it now. Here we go. Should I stay or should I go now? Woo! Should I stay or should I go now? I'll switch it up on you. If I go, there will be. Should I stay or should I go? Right now, some of you are asking yourselves that question, aren't you? Should you stay here and figure out what in the world that song has to do with anything, or should you make your exit at this time? Well, I really hope that you'll stay. I hope you'll give me a chance to explain that song, but more than that, what I really hope is that you'll give Jesus a chance today. See, it's the Sunday after Easter, and that begs the question, should I stay or should I go? More people in America go to church on Easter Sunday than any other Sunday of the year. And we love that. We love meeting new people. We love seeing old friends. If you came to church last week for the first time ever or for the first time in a while, it begs the question, should you stay here or should you go back to doing whatever it is you usually do on a Sunday? I mean, seriously, it's an honest question. We did the big celebration last week. Now what? That's the title of our new series that we, starts, that we start today. And it's all about what I just said. Jesus came to earth, and he taught, and he healed, he suffered and died, he came back to life. Jesus defeated death. I mean, in the battle of good versus evil, good won, love won, life won. So is that it? Is the story over? No. Just like with every major life event, now there's a big decision to make. It's like when you're preparing to graduate high school. You're taking all the classes, you're fulfilling the requirements, you're making the memories, but is it over? Oh no. Now it's time to decide. Are you going to go to work right away? You're going to the military? You're going to college? And even after you make that huge decision, there are more decisions to make. Like, I remember having a huge stack of college marketing material in my room as a high school junior and senior. As I was writing the papers and taking the SATs, there was this looming question hanging over my head. 
now what? Where was I going to go? Even then, I knew that which decision I made would matter. I couldn't fully grasp all that it would mean, but I knew that where I went to college, what, what friends I made, what activities I got involved in, which degree I pursued, I knew that those decisions would shape my life in significant ways, and they have. That's what happens with all big life events. I mean, like we date someone for a while, and then we get married, and at some point we look at each other and say, now what? They put a swaddled baby in our arms, and we realize that this little one is now completely dependent on us for life, and we wonder, now what? We sign the papers to a new home, we get the key, we stand in the empty space, and we wonder, now what? We go to the interview, we land the job, we show up for our first day and wonder, now what? And here, we celebrate the monumental event when Jesus defeated death. Now what? That was last Sunday's celebration. Today is a new day, and now it is time to decide to decide if we really believe that Jesus defeated death, that he came back to life then, that he lives now. And if we believe that, then what does it mean for us? It's time to decide if we will accept the life he offers us here in this world and forever with him. Decisions. Oh, we love them and hate them, don't we? On one hand, we're proud to live in a democracy where the people choose their leaders. Even if we don't like our options, we're thankful that we have them. And we like not just to have choices about our purchases, but we like being able to get exactly what we want. We custom order all kinds of things, don't we? From furniture, I, I want this couch and that fabric, to personalized gifts in that color with those initials in that font, to our frozen yogurt with just the right combination of toppings. For the record, that is cake batter frozen yogurt with Reese's cups, brownie bites, mini chocolate chips, and peanut butter drizzle. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a good thing we like choices because we make lots of them. Researchers at Cornell University estimate that we make 226.7 decisions every day about our food. Yeah, that's a first world problem if I've ever heard of one, right? We don't have to decide if we're going to eat today or if we're going to save this food for tomorrow or if we're going to give our portion to our kids like lots of people are having to do around the world. No, we decide if we're going to have white or wheat or honey wheat or white wheat or whole wheat or multigrain or sprouted grain or gluten-free or if we're just not going to eat bread at all. It's gotten so complicated can you imagine how our food choices look to people around the world? How they would look to our grandparents? And hey, it's not just food. It's estimated that the average adult makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. 35,000. No wonder we screw up so often. Who can make that many good decisions every day? I mean, if we make 31,500 good decisions in a day, that's an A. If you know me, are you surprised that I ran the math to see what it took to get an A? Probably not. But even if we get an A, that's 3,500 bad decisions a day. And sometimes, 
Sometimes it only takes one or two to radically change the course of our lives, to undo and outweigh all of the good decisions. We just have so many, too many, if we're honest, choices to make. So we're experiencing what's called decision fatigue. The more decisions we make, the harder it gets to make them. So we react in a few ways. Sometimes we make rash, impulsive decisions, or sometimes we just delay making any decision at all which if we're honest with ourselves is a decision not to make a decision. But either way, we're worn out, so we end up making poor choices. And it's true in all areas of our lives, including our spiritual lives. When it comes to who and what we believe, if we believe, some make rash, impulsive decisions that they don't really understand and then don't stick with. Others just put off making a choice. It's gotten so complicated. There's so many options. There's so many religions across the world. There's so many ideologies. And even if we decide on Jesus, then we have to choose, well, what kind of church and Bible and worship style? It's too much. We're done. We just can't make one more weighty, complicated, long-lasting decision. Well, that's how we feel. But the truth is, we can. We must. Our lives depend on it now and forever because it is the decision that changes everything so today let's consider this decision together knowing that each of us gets to make must make this decision for ourselves now some of us here today we've never made a decision for or against jesus but it's time to really consider it others of us we have made a decision for Jesus. And to the best of our ability, we are faithfully living that out every day in every area of our life. But I suspect many of us made a decision for Jesus at some point, and maybe it was sincere, or maybe it was misunderstood, or maybe it was done to please someone else. But regardless, it was a one-time decision that no longer defines your life. And if that's you, it's time to decide again. So, to make this decision, let's employ a tactic I learned from Colin Powell. He was a combat veteran who became our country's top soldier, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, National Security Advisor, and more. Some argue but that at the time that he retired, he was the most popular public figure in America. Now, at the end of his career, he became a political figure with influence in both major parties. We don't do politics on this platform. I don't wanna look at his politics. I wanna look at his decision-making. Because when it comes to making life or death decisions, he made as many as anybody. And he said of himself, Powell is a decision-maker. He was taught as a soldier to solve problems. So he has views but he's not an ideologue. And he has passion, but he's not a fanatic. He's first and foremost a problem solver. 10 years ago, he spoke about his problem solving skills at the Global Leadership Summit. And I remember him explaining how when facing a decision, he would make a choice for one way or the other in his mind, and he'd live with it for a while, as long as he could. Now that might be 10 minutes or it could be 10 days. He would pretend that he would, had made the decision and he'd see how it felt to live with it. So why don't we do that? Why don't we assume for the next 20 minutes or so that we're going to decide for Jesus? 
Let's try it on for size and see how it feels to live with it. So first, let's assess. What does it cost to make this decision? Well, nothing and everything at the same time. Let me explain. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Accepting Jesus is like accepting a gift from God. We don't have to earn it. In fact, we can't. We can never be good enough. And God, he doesn't want us competing with one another and bragging that we earned anything. All we can do is believe and accept the gift from God. And on the other hand, once we accept what Jesus offers, it costs us everything to live it out. Jesus said to a group of people who believed in him, to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus says that whoever tries to save their life with their own effort will actually lose it. We cannot save ourselves. But if we accept Jesus' gift of salvation and lose our lives for him, then we will really find life. So following Jesus, it costs us the lives that we think we want, but with the promise that that loss is temporary. And it's the key to actually finding the life Jesus has for us. Now, we're going to talk more about what it means to be disciplined and dedicated in our lives with Jesus later in this series. So if you've got questions about that, stay with us, come back, don't miss the rest of this series. But today, we're focusing on the decision to accept Jesus or not. And figuring out the cost is always a smart thing to do before you make a choice, well, at least to the best of your ability. I remember going to see my doctor a year or so after having my first child. With a big smile and a little wink, he asked when I was gonna have another one, because things had gone so smoothly the first time. He said, you are made for this. But see, he and I were having this conversation in the aftermath of the Great Recession. Now, I explained that my financial status had changed a bit, so we were gonna wait just a little while. Well, his look changed from playful to respectful. Good for you, he said. And then he rhetorically asked if I could spend the rest of the day with him and share that wisdom with a few of his other patients. Now, on one hand, it's responsible to assess the cost of something like having another child. On the other hand, if we had waited until we'd saved every dollar that we were gonna need for the next round of diapers and doctor's bills, well, we never would have had our second child. So on one hand, determine the cost of following Jesus. And on the other hand, if you wait until you know every single thing that decision will cost you, if you wait till you're prepared to pay the price, you'll never make the choice. At some point, it's time to decide. And whenever there's a big decision to make, we wonder, what if I regret it? What if I regret going to that college or taking that internship or marrying that person? What if I decide to follow Jesus and then it's not what I thought it was going to be? What if the cost is too high? What if it changes me into someone I don't want to be? One of the first people to have their lives radically changed by Jesus was a man named Paul. 
After he encountered Jesus, his life went in a completely different direction. Did he regret it? Let's see what he had to say. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says that he's lost all things, or he considers everything a loss, garbage even, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is so worth it that everything else seems like garbage. The things he thought he wanted, the things he was proud to have, like position and power and pedigree, they don't matter to him anymore. And he never could have grasped that before he encountered Jesus. He was totally committed to the life that he was living, convinced that he was right. See, Paul used to be the guy who arrested people for believing in Jesus. He was intentionally 100% in the anti-Jesus camp until he actually interacted with him himself. And then he realized that nothing else mattered anymore. Knowing Jesus was of surpassing worth to him. Did it change him? Absolutely. Will it change you if you let it? Absolutely. But not in a way that you'll regret, in a way that will be right. That's what righteousness is. It's living in right, good, true relationship with Jesus and letting that form you into who God wants you to be. It's not like you're gonna have buyer's remorse. We've all been there, right? With big things and small ones. I mean, like that target dollar spot is just so tempting. And it's so easy to order whatever we want with a tap on our phone. Well, and then sometimes we regret it. The loss of money, the loss of space, the disappointment of unmet expectations. It's like this man I read about, he works out every day. And it's a lot easier to work out when you have something to listen to, right? So he had these headphones and he plugged them into the treadmill and he listened to the TV. He starts running and he's doing fine at first and then he gets going, he's like half a mile in, his heart rate accelerates, he keeps going, then he's at one mile and his heart is really pumping now. Sweat starts dripping down his face and into his ears, zap! He gets shocked in his ear by his headphones. All right, so he shakes it off and he keeps going and then zap, it gets him in the other ear. He's getting shocked while he's trying to run. Of course, this cannot continue. So he goes home and he upgrades to an expensive pair of Bluetooth earbuds. Now these guys, they stay in place no matter how fast he runs, but most importantly, they're waterproof. Problem is, they don't work. Every 10 seconds or so, the sound just cuts out. The poor man just wanted to exercise without undergoing electric shock therapy, but he wasted a bunch of money on something that didn't work. Buyer's remorse. It hits all of us. In fact, 75% of people who bought homes during the pandemic now regret it. Sometimes they've had to make rash decisions. They had to make insanely high offers that have changed their lives in ways that aren't right or good or true. They feel manipulated. Now, they weren't manipulated by their realtors or their lenders, but the economy, the system, we're not going to manipulate you into a decision to follow Jesus. And I'll admit, that's been done lots of times. 
in lots of churches and revivals and conferences by lots of really well-meaning pastors and preachers. But we're not getting ready to create a moment where emotions are high and you feel pressured to make an impulsive decision. That's not what's going to happen here. You get to make this choice. It is not about our church. It's certainly not about me. It's not about whoever is sitting beside you or who invited you to church. This is your decision to make. And what we want to do is clearly explain it. So, what does it mean to decide for Jesus, to accept his gift of grace, to give your life to him? We've got lots of words and phrases we use to explain this. For a long time, churches used the language of salvation, of being saved, and it's accurate. We saw it in one of our verses earlier. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Let's look at what comes before this to understand this a little bit better. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This repeats that it is by grace that we've been saved. Saved from what? From being dead in our sins. From the meaningless way that we all live if left to our own devices. Pursuing instant gratification for our bodies, hearts, and minds without concern for their results and ramifications. That kind of living deserves wrath. It's not good for us or anyone around us. It's certainly not what God wants for us or for our world. But because of God's love and mercy, he offers to make us alive. See, the choice is between lifeless, selfish living and lively, uh, abundant living. Jesus describes it like this. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's why Jesus came here, so that they, that's you and me and everyone throughout history, so that we can have life and have it to the full. This is where we get the language for the mission of our church. PCC exists to reach people who don't go to church so that we can all experience the fullest lives possible through Jesus. That's our purpose because it was Jesus' self-stated purpose for coming to earth so that we can not just have minimal, bare, sparse life, but maximum, abundant, full life. That's been my experience. And for whatever it's worth, I have never regretted my decision to follow Jesus. In fact, life without Jesus is incomprehensible to me. You know, I think sometimes people worry that, like, if they choose Jesus, life's going to become boring or lame. That has not been the case for me. Jesus has taken me to conversations and continents, to people, to problems, to births and deaths, to triumphs and tragedies. He's let me see and hear. He has worked through me to say and to share things of surpassing significance in sacred spaces. Now, of course, my life is not perfect. Believing in Jesus, it doesn't exempt us from the struggles of this world. But life with Jesus, here, now, 
oh, it's full. It is so full for me. And Jesus offers that kind of fullness for you too. And he also offers eternal life. The most famous occurrence of this phrase, eternal life, is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus offers us eternal life instead of temporary life. On Easter, he defeated death for himself and also for all of us. Now, while this is the most famous use of this phrase, it's far from its only use. In the New International Version of the Bible, which is the one I've used today, this phrase shows up 45 times. Let's look at just one more. Jesus says of those who believe in him, I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Believing in Jesus is a choice to never perish, but to experience eternal life and the protection of Jesus' grasp, where death can't touch you anymore, where love wins, where life thrives. That's what it means to make a decision for Jesus. Well, we've done as Colin Powell suggests. We've tried this on for a while. We've determined that the cost of giving our lives to Jesus is both nothing and everything. We've explored the idea of whether it's a decision we'll regret and seen that knowing God is of surpassing worth. We've looked at what it really means to accept Jesus' salvation for full life in this world and eternal life with him forever. The last piece I wanna share with you is how. How do I do it? How do I give my life to Jesus? The Bible tells us, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, let's unpack this really quickly. The first step is saying Jesus is Lord. Before you say it, you should know what it means. Naming Jesus as Lord means recognizing that he has authority and decision-making power over your life. You surrender your authority over your own life to him. You put him in charge of who you are and what you do. Next, you believe in your heart that the Easter story is true, that Jesus defeated death and came back to life. And if you do those things, then you will be saved. No matter what shame you carry about things you've done or things that have been done to you, Jesus' grace, oh, it covers all of that. It doesn't matter where you come from, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you come from a rich tradition with lots of knowledge about God, or today's the first time you've heard about Jesus. There's no difference to him. He'll extend his grace and blessing to you because everyone who calls Jesus Lord and believes he defeated death will be saved. So, now what? Now, 
it's time to decide. Will you stay where you are or will you go forward with Jesus? And I'll remind you, this is your decision. This is about you and Jesus. There's no pressure from us. Somebody here, you might be interested in exploring more, maybe taking a step toward Jesus, but you need some more time to give him your whole life. That's totally fine. Come to the rest of this series. Ask your questions. Take it one step at a time. But someone else, you know, you know it's time. You feel God tugging on your heart. Maybe it's the first time you felt that. You're not exactly sure what's going on, but it's different than anything you've experienced before. Someone else, you have felt this before. You've been here before. You've decided and confessed and believed, but then, well, then you waffled on your decision. You reclaimed the position as Lord of your own life. You doubted what you once believed. Whether for the first time or not, it's time for someone to make the biggest, best decision of their life. It's time to choose Jesus and accept his grace. It's time to choose full and eternal life. So in just a second, everyone's gonna close their eyes so you can have some space, won't feel any pressure, and I'm gonna offer a prayer. And if you want, you can pray with me. Now, if you're not up for praying, that's totally okay. But out of respect for others, would you please close your eyes right now? Either way, I'm gonna pray. God, I believe. I believe that you are real, that you defeated death, that you're alive now. I accept your gift. I thank you for your grace. I know I don't deserve this. I couldn't earn it, but I'm so thankful. I accept your gift of full and abundant life here and eternal life with you forever. I confess that you are Lord. I surrender control of my life to you. You're in charge. I decide now to follow you on this day and for the rest of my days. Amen. Turning back, no turning back. 
If you have decided to follow Jesus, or you're interested in exploring it further, then we're here to help. In fact, as our service concludes, you're welcome to stay around and reflect or pray. If you'd like to talk with someone, then you can use the request prayer button to have a private conversation with me or one of our hosts. When you're ready, we're here. And if you'd like to go deeper into exploring what a relationship with Jesus might look like for you, be sure to check out our website at pccwire.net. There you will find a wealth of resources that will help you grow in your faith no matter where you are right now. We'll see you next Sunday as we continue asking, now what? We'll see you then. <laughs>